Well, let's pray together. Lord, we pray that we would indeed drink deep. That we drink deeply from the well of your, your word. That you would speak to us today. Lord, I pray that we would grasp again this great call to love one another. And that you would begin to show us even now how we might apply that call, how we might live that calling uh, in our daily living with the people that surround us every day. So come Holy Spirit and speak to us again through your holy word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Our scripture is John uh, chapter 13, uh, verses 31 to 35. Uh, <clears throat> if you would, you can uh, grab the pew Bibles or your Bibles if you brought and follow along, but we will also uh, have it here uh, on the screen. I found that I like to have my Bible out just in case I want to look back at stuff when, when there's a speaker. So uh, if you have yours, by all means, have them out and, and be looking at them. <clears throat> Excuse me. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. <clears throat> As I've said since the beginning of John chapter 13, Jesus is now speaking to his inner circle. He's preparing them for his departure. And that's very explicit in verse 33. Little children, yet a little while, while I'm with you, you will seek me. And just as I said, the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Jesus is about to take a journey that he must take alone. Judas will betray him. Peter will deny him. All the disciples at some level or another abandon him. Jesus must journey to the cross and to his death all alone. And he's preparing his disciples for that time. He, he's telling them today and, and in past weeks about his love. He's going to remind them that he's going to prepare a place for them so that they can join him. He's going to remind them that he is the way and the truth and the life. He's going to tell them that he will not completely abandon them. In fact, he's going to send another like him, the Holy Spirit, to be with them. He's going to talk with them about, you make sure you stay connected to the vine, which is me, Jesus. Perhaps you've experienced something similar uh, when a loved one had a terminal illness, and they too started preparing you for their departure. I think often of my father when I read a text such as this. I discovered that my dad was dying of cancer about the same time that I was trying to discern the call to ministry. 
uh, I told the Sunday school class that I'd actually applied for a job, which was, I didn't mention this this morning, but was literally on land that my grandfather had sold to the company. Uh, So it was a half a mile from my parents. So uh, I had done that already. But at the same time, when I was answering this call to ministry and dad was so sick, I was really sure. Jeanette and I went to my mom and dad and I said, listen, I'm going to delay going to seminary. I I want to be around to help take care of dad and then the follow-up and things that we need to take care of for mom. Before the words were hardly out of my mouth, my dad stopped me and he said, no, son. You are not putting your life on hold for me. Besides, I won't get to see you graduate from seminary, but I do want to watch you start. In that moment, I didn't know just how much my dad was preparing me for what was ahead because within two weeks of beginning seminary, we got called home. My dad was actively dying and he died that weekend. And I think much like my dad, Jesus was saying to the disciples, look, I'm leaving you, but don't put your lives on hold. Don't live in a vacuum of memories only. You got to keep going. And I got a new commandment for you. I want you to love one another just as I have loved you. Love one another. Of course, Jesus probably said and thought, yeah, remember me. Remember my teaching, but don't just remember. And certainly don't keep arguing about which one of you is the greatest. And don't go off and and be like the zealots and be looking for a new political reign. No, here's what I have for you. What I want out of you, what I have for you in this life is that you love one another. And notice verse 34 again, a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another. As I've loved you, you're also to love one another. So what's new about Jesus' commandment? Well, it's actually both old and new. The command to love is old in that it existed in the Old Testament. One of the most well-known forms of, uh, of love in the Old Testament is found in Leviticus 19.18. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. But even the commands to honor your father and mother, to not murder, to not commit adultery, to not steal, to not bear false witness, all of those are commands to love your neighbor. And Jesus obviously was very familiar with the Old Testament. In fact, when asked what was the greatest commandment, he combined Deuteronomy 5.8 and Leviticus 19.18, and he answered in Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. So why did Jesus call it then a new commandment? In part because love is going to be raised to an all-new level. It's going to be raised to an all-new significance by Jesus. It's going to be given a new object. It's going to be exercised in a new measure. 
And it's going to require a new power. First, the new object. You see, the Old Testament commandment was to love your neighbor as yourself. But neighbor would have been understood by most of the Jewish people to mean your Jewish neighbors. And while those neighbors had a spiritual connection, they all believed in Yahweh, it was very much an ethnic kind of love and connection. But in this new commandment, Jesus says, love one another. And even though the disciples do not yet understand it, this love is going to go beyond any ethnic connection. It's going to be expanded to Gentiles and even to one's enemies, like the hated Samaritans and even the Romans who were oppressing them. Jesus' new commandment was to to love one another regardless of ethnicity or socioeconomic background or even previous religious background. And that was going to be very hard for them to embrace because some of these men whom he was speaking with had already put up the divisions. They were raised as devout Jews and there were divisions between them. And it continues to be a difficult command for us. You see, left to our own, you and I tend to seek our own. I mean, movie stars tend to marry movie stars. Doctors seek out doctors often. Middle classers seek out middle classers. Bikers hang out with other bikers. But the love Christ commanded and demonstrated changed everything. It it tore down these walls of division. It's one of the reasons Christianity grew so rapidly in the early days among the general population and especially among the outcasts of society. Because where believers genuinely kept the commandment to love one another, the walls between master and slave, between Jew and Gentile and male and female, they were obliterated. And the new commandment, you see, had a new object. It was everyone. And this fact alone made it a whole new standard. But the love Jesus commanded would not only be measured by those we love, but by how deep we love. You see, the new standard would be that the God of the universe came to be one of us. And he gave his life to redeem the chains of our sin. 1 John 4.10, and this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the payment, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's a whole new measure of love. It's going to go beyond sentiment or just a, a feeling of goodwill. This is a love that's going to require sacrifice. Which led D.A. Carson to write, the new command is simple enough for a toddler to memorize it and appreciate it. But it's profound enough that the most mature believers are repeatedly embarrassed at how poorly we comprehend it and how poorly we practice it. So with a standard that high, we can't do it on our own. Therefore, Jesus is also going to give a new power. 
He's going to give a new power to enable the disciples to love as Jesus loved. Though Jesus was departing, he's going to dwell with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. This is a new love because you and I cannot possibly love the way Jesus wants us to love unless the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Human effort will not achieve this love. We needed a new power. And as we know and we'll see in subsequent chapters, that power is the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, God's Spirit had existed from the very beginning. But this is a new indwelling of the Spirit. Jesus gave a new commandment to love. Think about that. It's new in that it had a new and much broader object. It's everyone. It's new in that its standard of measurement was incredibly deep. The standard was the love of Jesus himself. And it was new in that we would need a new power, the Holy Spirit, if we were going to love that way. And Jesus said it's by this standard. It's by this standard that the world is going to understand and see your commitment to Christ. Look at verse 35. Excuse me. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Think about that. They will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The distinguishing mark of a disciple of Christ is not activities or miracles or eloquent teaching or high doctrinal standards. All those are important. But the distinguishing mark of the people of Christ is love. Is love. They will know we are Christians by our love. It's a 1960 song. It sounds a little bit like it belongs to the age of the hippies and the Jesus Revolution. But the song is true. We're going to sing it again today. They will know we are Christians by our love. And vice versa, if you and I do not love, then they're going to question our commitment to Christ. And many years after hearing Jesus' commandment to love one another, John wrote his first letter, and much of that letter is a sermon on this commandment. He talks about loving one another in almost every chapter of 1 John, except for the opening chapter, which is an introductory chapter. And and he extensively talks about love, especially in uh, 1 John chapter 4. And he makes it clear there for everyone that to be a Christian, we must love. We must love. 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar, for he does not love his brother whom he has seen. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Next verse, and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We've spent three weeks looking at John chapter 13, and every week we've looked at the call to love. 
I spent much of the first week reminding us of Christ's great love for us, and I, I reminded us that we've got to understand His great love, that that's our calling, that's our reminder to love one another. Last week, we focused on the phrase, mobilize to love, which focuses more on our outward calling to love in the community. Today, I want to conclude by thinking about applying this commandment to love primarily internally. Though what I'm about to share will work out in the community, and actually it will bless the community, and it will demonstrate to the community that we are Christians. But in these divisive times, I think it would be such a blessing to the world and to us if we focus more on loving one another. And I think one of the greatest ways we can love one another is by forgiving one another. I don't think our world sees enough forgiveness modeled in the world or even by the church. And there are two sides of forgiveness I, I want to talk about briefly this morning. Francis Schaeffer discussed them in his, his book, The Mark of the Christian. He said there are two ways we can manifest love, by being willing to apologize and seek forgiveness, and then two, by granting forgiveness. First, we can manifest or demonstrate love for one another by being willing to apologize and by being willing to seek forgiveness. We're human. We're going to disagree on some matters. We're going to offend someone along the way. We're going to get our feelings hurt. It's just going to happen. But it's what we do with it that matters most. If we're going to demonstrate love, then we're going to apologize and we're going to seek forgiveness. And honestly, what we really do need to do in many cases is to be big enough, you ready for this? To admit that we were wrong. Big enough to admit that we were wrong. You see, saying you're sorry can mean in your heart that what you're really thinking is, well, I really did nothing wrong, but I'm sorry that it, it hurt your little feelings. That can be our attitude. Or saying I'm sorry can just mean, I'm sorry I got caught, but I'm not really repentant on this matter. And we don't like to be wrong, do we? But demonstrating love means apologizing and even admitting we're wrong and seeking the other's forgiveness. That's a hard one. I think especially for a lot of us guys. Sometimes I'll argue with Jeanette because, and I know I'm wrong. I'm just being honest here this morning. I know partway through the argument that she's right and I'm wrong. But it's taking that next step and saying, you're right. I was absolutely wrong. Shouldn't even be having this argument. And that's hard. That's called pride. And it's hard to swallow sometimes, isn't it, guys? And gals. And then when someone comes seeking our forgiveness... We've got to be loving enough to grant it. 
We got, we got to quit holding that grudge and we got to grant the forgiveness. Jesus said in Luke 17, verses 3 and 4, if your brother sins uh, against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. That's a tough teaching. But it's a clear one as well. If, if a person comes and they're repentant, they're seeking our forgiveness, then we've got to grant forgiveness. I don't know about you, beloved, but this series on loving has done a whole lot more than just step on my toes. My toes are bruised. My toes are battered. As we've done this series, I've received a few gut-wrenching punches. The Word of God has busted my lip even, if you will. I've got work to do. And so do you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. They'll know we are Christians by what? By our love. Let's pray together. What wonderful and deep teaching our Lord you have given us. We're so fallible. We're so unloving sometimes. Some days we wake up on that proverbial wrong side of the bed and we don't even hardly love ourselves, much less anyone else. Lord, help us to be more loving. May we not look at the example so much of the world, but your example. Where we need to seek forgiveness, where we need to admit that we're wrong, I pray that we'd do so. Where we need to grant forgiveness, maybe there's someone who wounded us years ago and maybe they'll never come to us, but we need to grant forgiveness. We need to begin to let it go. Lord, this is hard teaching. So we need your Holy Spirit power. Perhaps there's someone this very week that we need to forgive or, or go out and speak to. I don't know. But Lord, we need power. I pray that we would be more loving in all of our ways. And that the people around us will indeed know we are Christians by our love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. They will indeed know we are Christians by our love. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you today and forevermore. Amen.